All right, I'll be in Titus chapter 3 this morning. And uh, the Lord kept me on the same path that I thought he had me on last week. Titus chapter 3, and of course, this year's theme, and I'm not saying you have to have a theme for the year in a church, but uh, as you pastor longer and longer, and this is the 12th year for me, to try to keep things together because sometimes I'll talk about things that I'll talk about them like they happened maybe last year or six months and then we come to find out it might have been eight years ago and so you you can lose your way and what helps me as a pastor uh, not to do that is to have a theme for the year and of course this year's theme is to be careful or be careful to maintain good works. Now, uh, uh, throughout this message this morning, I'll, you'll probably hear me stop and re-clarify what I'm saying. Uh, now, as far as the introduction, I want you to be totally 100% uh, clear. We're, I'm not preaching you have to do works to get saved. And we'll talk about that. Our salvation is by grace through faith alone. And it's based upon the finished work, blood and the work of Christ. But, but, the Bible is so very clear. Your, your Christian life does not stop having been saved from hell. Your Christian life just begins there's not a lot of preaching on it, at least in the circles that I uh, listen to and run, because it's not popular when you begin to uh, present to the people that are in the pew that they have a responsibility in this Christian life. We're living in the day and age where people don't want to hear that word. That's a trigger word, responsibility. Kind of like the word work, that's a trigger word. Uh, some people even say that's a bad word, you know, uh, and it's not, it's not supposed to be. So uh, Titus chapter 3. Now I'm going to begin to read because of context and to help us here in chapter 2 verse 11. I believe it gives us a good starting point and he takes us from the moment that we get saved. And so let's read some scripture here. And then we'll pray and we'll get into this message on being careful to maintain good works. And he says, For the grace of God, I'm in verse 11, chapter 2, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Now, this salvation is going to do some things. Watch what it does here in this next verse. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify. Now, here's where we begin to get into this ideal. He's going to purify unto himself a peculiar people. He's talking to Christians, to the church here in Crete. A peculiar people zealous of good works. I want you to put that in your memory bank, that word zealous. 
Because we're going to talk about that of good works. These things, now he, he, he turns his attention back to Pastor Titus, who was on the island of Crete. Now, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. So he's telling the pastor, when you handle the scriptures and when you preach, you make sure that you preach scripturally with authority. We, we got a lot of uh, unauthoritative preaching going on today, and sometimes that does get me in trouble. People don't like the authority of the Word of God. Well, who do you think you are to stand so sure and strong uh, on the teachings of the book? Well, it's because we got God's Word. We got God's mind on it. And so he's telling this young pastor, look, you, you, you teach these things, you exhort, but then you're going to have to do some rebuking, and you do it with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities, to powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. I need you to put that in your mental bank, to be ready to every good work. If there's one thing I was watching the little girls as they were singing, there's one thing I can tell you about that. Number one, they were zealous. Number two, they were ready. And three, Jen makes sure she's careful to help them maintain a good work. And, and I'm going to talk about those things uh, today. Now, we're going to read on, but you could use that. I, I believe that was the Lord just kind of said, right, right there is what you'll be preaching on. They're excited about coming and singing a song. They're excited about wanting to be involved in the service. They're excited and zealous. They have uh, a warmness in their heart to want to share. Uh, the gospel in songs with the church, the body of Christ. And then Sister Jenny, uh, the Sunday school teacher, uh, she's going to be careful to help them maintain that good work. Very scriptural. So he says, be ready. He says, you put your people in the mindset to be ready to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves, now he's going to go back before salvation. Watch this. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. We were sometimes disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. He's not talking about a Christian there. He's talking about that's how you were before you got saved. Now, if, if that didn't change, if that's still you, if, I, if the Bible just identified you, then you need to check up on what you're calling salvation because that's not what, that might have been what you used to be but that's not what you are now. And we have a lot of that in your churches, do we not? Have a lot of that, well, I know so-and-so, they're a Christian, they just hate everybody. Well, I got news for you. You ever heard of a spy? 
You ever heard of an infiltrator? The devil puts them in churches. And you need to be aware of that, that we're at war uh, and the Satan is our enemy and he has people on his side. Matter of fact, there's more on his side than on our side. You got to understand that if we're talking bodies and physical appearance, this world's a wicked place. And he'll move them as undercover agents. So if you've, you've probably, because I've run into them and you've run into them, we've all got the stories like, man, I was in this church once I got hurt bad. I mean, I was skinned alive. I was blindsided or this or that. Hey, yeah, that you, you ran into a wolf in sheep's clothing is what happened. And so don't blame that on the children of God. Now, the children of God, they can be that way a little bit, but as a rule, no. Verse 4, but after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared, not by works. So he's going to clarify this again. He wants us to do works, but we're not saved by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now here's the text verse. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. So again, he commands Pastor Titus, you preach on this constantly. I think I found... <laughs> Uh, where I needed to realign myself with the Word of God this week. I don't often do that. So, uh, I have a philosophy. By the time it takes me to try to recruit somebody to do something, show them how to do it, uh, uh, talk them through it, I might as well have done it myself. That's not really biblical. Bible says, no, you be constant in your preaching about warning your people, watch this, that they which have believed in God, that's Christians, might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Now verse 9, we need it, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain and a man that is an heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted, and sinneth, being condemned of himself, let us pray, and then we'll deliver the message. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you for today. And Lord, I, I pray that we can, uh, um, that you remove all distractions. And Lord, this is a message I believe that you would have a, me preach this morning. Now let me get out of the way, let the Holy Spirit work on hearts. But Lord, help me uh, to be better at doing my job as far as being careful to warn the people to maintain good works in service to you, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. Now when I begin to work on this, I was reminded of Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and, and everybody probably in here could quote that. Or if I started it, you could probably finish it. And it says, for by grace... Are you saved? He's real clear here. He keeps, he keeps going over this. You're saved by grace. 
through faith. And that not of yourselves. So it's not faith in yourself. It's faith in the finished work of Christ. It is the gift of God. That's salvation. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But here's the verse that we don't memorize and that we don't want to talk about, which is verse 10, which is in the same context. And verse 10 says... For we, that's the one saved by grace, are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Uh oh. Which God hath before ordained that we, the ones that's been saved by grace, should walk in them. So what is he saying, preacher? I begin to meditate upon that, not wanting to confuse uh, the issue. What is he saying? Well, he says that, number one, that we should never put the cart of works before the horse of grace. The grace of God saves us when we put our faith and trust in the finished work of Christ. But the horse of grace is not alone. According to verse 10, it is connected to a cart of works. Now, if you was to look at this first word there in verse 10, for, for, we. Well, that word for means on account of. So on account of this salvation, when you get saved, on account of, that word for starts that next sentence, on account of the salvation by grace, it starts an inside work, which Christ does and produces an outside work, which we are to walk in, we're to do. So we don't do good works to get saved. But if you're saved by grace, and if it is the Lord Jesus Christ that saved you, you will do good works because you are saved. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to confuse anybody. I, I don't, I don't want to ever want to confuse anybody. You're not saved by works. Don't get the cart, you've heard that old phrase, before the horse. Don't get the cart of works before the horse of grace. See, the early church did that. The Jews did that. They thought, well, you've you got to be circumcised after the manner of Moses and keep the law. Then you can get saved. No, that's the wrong order. You get saved first. But because you are born again, because of this great work that our God and Savior has done, because you're saved, you will want to do good works. What I'm saying is God saved us for a purpose. God saved us to do good works for Him. A lot of people today, they just say, well, I've just been saved from hell. It's all I want. Bang. Sit down. See ya. Flip a dime into the offering plate. Gotcha. If that's all you had in mind... There's a problem with you and your spirituality between you and God. Something is wrong. 
I personally believe that you've been sold a bill of goods by some charlatan preacher that was more worried about numbers. And so he rushed you through this process only telling you, you, you have heard the phrase that preachers and car salesmen have a lot in common. Oh, yeah. Matter of fact, I've known some preachers that were car salesmen, and I wouldn't trust them in either capacity. And so people get sold this bill of goods, and it produces a false salvation, a delusionment that I'm okay. And so they have this entitlement mentality, and you can always spot it because it's always about What's here for them? What do they get? Uh, They want everything, and God's got to provide it now because I'm on His side. And so a lot of people, their mindset is, I was just saved from hell. That's not the full story. The Bible says that you've been saved from sin. According to Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 21, and Titus 2.14, he says, The grace of God teaches you that you can deny your lust and, and not be running around in this worldly lust, in this worldly system, and, and, and living like the devil and expecting God to pay the bills. Salvation doesn't do that. Hence, you hear the preachers say, If there's been no change in a person's life, there has been no conversion. Something is wrong. You've all heard of the term stillborn. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, something's wrong with the process. Something was wrong with the intentions and the heart when that person walked through the motions. And so the Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 10 that we've been saved not only from sin, But we've been saved unto good works. You know, it's kind of like the old adage. If you've ever grown up in a Christian home through the 70s, 80s, and 90s, Oh, there's that big movement that uh, we're going to, uh, we're separated from everything. Separated from this, separated from that, and I believe in separation. But what happened is there was an overemphasis on what you was to separate from, or we call that the do-nots. And nothing was ever said on what you were to be separated to. You know, sometimes preachers preach the gospel that way. They want to tell you what you're saved from, but they don't want to tell you you're saved from sin. They don't want to tell you that you've been saved uh, just from hell. They they want to leave out the part that you were saved to good works. That God expects something out of you now. He expects a certain behavior out of you now. And he's going to give you a ministry of reconciliation, which he started. Nobody wants to preach on that. Because it's not popular. And so we see our text. Says now this saying is faithful. It's a faithful saying. It's actually about sound doctrine. It's a sound doctrine. And he says, I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works, as in 
He didn't want you to forget that there is a purpose. God didn't just save you from hell. He saved you with a purpose in mind. God has something unique for you to do. And you are to experience that with the gifts God has given you in the local New Testament church. There is something here for you to do. And we've changed some things around this year uh, in light of this type of, uh, of what we have found from the Word of God that, that uh, uh, no one person can do all the work for God. This is a great work, as Nehemiah had said. And so it's going to take everybody. But you need to be introduced from, by your pastor that God wants you to be rich in good works because you're His child. You have a responsibility. And he uses two words there in that verse. One, careful. He says, you be careful. That means watchful. Pay attention. Be aware of your surroundings. And then he says that other word is to maintain. And that means to keep up, to support to continue. So he wants us to keep up with, to support, and to continue in good works. Basically what I'm saying is we're not saved to sit. We're saved to serve. And, and you show me a church that has infighting and division and contention in it, and I'll show you a church where most of the people are sitting doing nothing, and the water, the spiritual water in their life has gone stagnant. Why? Because they're bored. They have nothing else better to do than become critical of others. I got news for you. Uh, that happened in home. Uh, I come from a large family. There were seven of us kids. And any time that infighting started in among the siblings, there was always a row in the garden that we could weed. There was always weed somewhere or work somewhere, laundry to do with the seven kids and two adults. There's always laundry. There was some type of work, and I found it amazing that because we were busy doing something, we just didn't have time to argue and fuss with one another. So God's on to something. And so here's our thoughts. One is, how are we going to maintain good works? And I hope that I haven't burst some of y'all's bubbles. They're like, man, I didn't know. You're talking about all this responsibility I'm to have. It's almost like a marriage. It's almost like a family. And yeah, amen. That's how the God of the Lord likens it here in the Word of God. It is a family. We're pilgrims and strangers. We're to be connected to one another. Sometimes when people get saved, their physical family disowns them. They're going to need another one to cling to. Yeah, amen. And so the Bible's clear. If you want to do a little homework this week, if you think I'm off my rocker, and I don't think anybody in here thinks that, just get in your Bible program and look up the word work or works and how many times it shows up in the New Testament but more so in the Pauline epistles when he addresses the church. 
I, I began to write them down because I thought, well, I'm going to preach on this periodically uh, from time to time this year. Do you, I think I wrote down 15 different sermon titles or ideals that was regarding work, including the one for next week. You come back next week. I got a special message that he addresses to Pastor Titus about welfare Christians. There in chapter 1. And so there are Christians who are scamming the system. We kind of know about that. I'm not going to get into that today. I want to get into three quick, simple points. It's in our text. I've already emphasized them. On how can we, as Christians... At Tree of Life Baptist Church, be careful to maintain good works. Number one, I'm going to remind you. <laughs> All right? I mean, there's some sign-up sheets there on the bulletin. We need volunteers to help clean the church. You pick you a week and volunteer. Write your name down. If, and I, here's, here's a little advice. Don't attempt it on your own. Get a clean-up partner, a clean partner. It's a lot easier with just two people. Or three, but get one. You don't have to do it every week in the month. Just pick you a week. Uh, there's there's some sign up sheets and some some things that you can get involved with here in the church this year. Get uh, get ready. Get with Brother Dave on the grass mowing schedule this year, and so on and so forth. He he he'll take care of all that. But that's a good work that needs to be done, and no one person should have to do it all. We all have a load to bear. I'm not getting on nobody. I'm just, I got to be able to do my job. I didn't realize how important this was. Does anybody remember the last time I preached a message? Like I, I don't really remember one. And so he says, you do it constantly. He said, what he's saying is you need to hobby horse this thing. It's like, oh. So let me give you three things. Number one. I see it there in verse 1. See in that phrase where he says, uh, be ready. Let me get back here. Be ready to be ready to every good work. Do you see that? He says, now you put them in the mind. Put them in mind. To be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates. Now, one of those powers would be uh, the church, pastoral authority, uh, so on and so forth. He's not just talking about government. He's talking about church. you got church leaders. And he says, we need to be in subjection to one another. I mean, the Bible's clear of that. But he says, you, one of the ways to be able to maintain good works is to get ready to work. Pretty simple, because I'm simple. Let me put it to you like this. If we simply focus on being in subjection to authorities, it is easy to become passive. Did you catch that? If we overemphasize and totally focus on just being in subjection to authorities, whatever you say, yes, yes, oh, mm, mm. you go get them, Pastor. Oh, oh, go get it. We're, we're here for it. No, don't overemphasize that. He says you also, you emphasize to get ready to work. 
And why is it keeps us from becoming passive or complacent in the work of God? So there's a balance here. Now, I was beginning to think like this. And again, I, I've worked a job many years. And I remember having to get ready for work the next day. Uh, my father helped teach me that. To be ready to every good work means action. You're going to take some action on some things. One, make yourself ready to go to work for Christ. Now, if I was going to do some work, plastering's my trade, and if you called me and said, man, I got this hole in my ceiling, and I need you to patch it. Well, once you told me that, I would probably ask you, is it drywall or plaster? Is it cement? Uh, what is it? No, it's inside my house. I think it's drywall. Okay, I'll be there tomorrow, 9.30. Make sure there's biscuits and gravy, hot coffee. <laughs> and I'll work for free as long as you provide all the food I can eat. So now I'd rather pay you. Okay, 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 all right. So I would begin to get ready to do that job. Number one, I'm going to need a ladder. I'm going to get it out. Number two, I'm going to need my clothes laid out. I'm going to need work clothes. But more importantly, I'm going to need tools. I'm going to need a hawk, a trial, a margin trial. I'll need a, a, a saw, a razor knife. Uh, I'm also going to need a piece of drywall to patch that with. Maybe some wood uh, so I can put up in there in case it's not on a, a stud. And some uh, drywall screws, some wood screws. And then I'm going to need some drywall tape. I'm going to need some 45-minute quick-setting mud. I'm going to need some catalysts that makes that 45-minute five-minute mud so I can do it all in one day unless you're paying me in food <laughs> then of course I'd have drywall compound I'd have a sponge I'd have maybe a sanding block probably not I'll sponge it I will trial it down I don't like sanding it makes too much dust the point is, I would begin to get ready to go to work. I believe that some of you probably do that. You have a job, and you know tomorrow, you're already mentally preparing yourself. What do I need? You know you're going to need clean clothes. At least some of you would have that conviction. All of you. <laughs> Just being, I'm being mean now. You're going to need clean clothes laid out. So that might mean that you might have to do a load of laundry today. Uh, you know, you might need uh, to pack a lunch or prepare for that. Maybe you'll begin to set a little food aside for lunch, uh, from lunch, so you have lunch for tomorrow. Whatever your poison, my point is, you're already mentally thinking about that. You're mentally thinking about the steps you're going to have to make. Uh, do you need new shoes? Uh, uh, shoes are a good shoes are a must if you're going to walk six to 10,000 steps a day. So on and so forth. And that's what he's saying. But then he gives us a list of do nots also in preparation. And if you used to look there in verse 2, he says, Stop bad-mouthing others to speak evil of no man. Why would he say that? Because it poisons your mind. You know, 
let's, let's come back into a church context. If you begin to speak evil of your brother and sisters in Christ, and I guarantee you it'll probably more than likely be over a petty issue. Well, so-and-so, he's driving a Honda. I hate that. You know, he's driving a Chevy or a Ford or something. And then you begin to think bad about that. You know, you think it poisons you. So when you, you meet this individual, you're already on guard. You're waiting for anything dumb that person might say or do so you could poke at them with that. That's not getting ready for work. That's getting ready. Let's look at the next word. To be no brawlers. That's you're preparing yourself to be a brawler. Well, I'm telling you, if the boss man or so-and-so says one more thing to me, I'm coming on glued. And I can probably hear one of you humming the lyrics to that one country song. He got a new flat top, you know the one. <laughs> yeah. That's a brawler. You're looking for a brawl. You're not getting prepared to work. No brawlers. That's no job drama. Stop the fighting. What's he say? Be but gentle. Oh, oh, showing meekness. Oh, that's the ability to listen to others and hear them out. You know, the older I'm getting, I'm not the brightest. What? I'm not the brightest or the sharpest knife in the drawer, even around here. And so what I've learned is, yeah, oh, that sounds like a great idea. And then when it works out real good, then I'll want to try to find a way to make you think that I instigated all that. <laughs> you want to know what the sign of good leadership is? Surrounding yourself with smarter people than you are. That's right. That's right. Being prepared to do work. The work. Show meekness, which is a softness of temper, slow to anger. I mean, come on. For we ourselves were also sometimes foolish. We're all foolish from time to time, are we not? Disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts. Now let me give you the second point. So number one, you've got to get ready to go to work. When you come to church, let me help you. Saturday night, you should get ready to come to church on Sunday morning. Here's why. It's going to help you mentally. Don't decide. Brother Dave was saying this. Look, you're going to have to decide before it happens what you're going to do. Or you could, be, you could go either which way. And so you got to decide before Sunday morning gets here and already settle it. you got to prepare yourself Saturday night. That you're going to church and then you lay those clothes out. You make sure that your children have their baths. And that they're prepared. And what are you fixing for breakfast? And so they can be ready to go. It's not if. If you want to get victory over that, you've got to get ready to go to church. You've got to be prayer. Number two. We find this in chapter 2 and verse 14. You're going to have to be zealous. Look at this. Verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Now that's different from jealous. Zealous. It's a mindset. It means to be warmly engaged. 
Why don't you try that next time you go into work? Warmly engage. You want to be there. You want to engage in the work you've been hired to do. Hey, I'm here. There's a man. I was thinking about this yesterday. Years gone by. Brother Bob Segmiller, I think, hopefully he's still alive. Uh, they tell me sometimes he watches the live stream. Uh, that dude wasn't right. He was a carpenter. He's about, he was the best carpenter I've ever met and worked around in my life. That dude, I don't, hey, I had to ask him one day, what are you on? What are you taking? And, and he wasn't on anything. He, he took vitamins and minerals. But man, he'd just show up on the job and boys, it don't get no better than this. Let's get it. It's 98 degrees. It's Thursday. And we got a lot of working from him. He's got his tools out. He's got his saws out. He's banging on the walls on the house. He's fixing carpentry type things. And I'm telling him, we're plasters. We don't touch that. That's their problem. He says, look, you want a good looking job? I can do it. Let me do it. By the time you try to get the builder to do it, I'll have it done in five minutes. This is great life. I said, Brother Bob, I need a little bit. Whatever you're on. What, what do you got? He had some type of natural powder that he had, and he mixed with his orange juice or something in the morning. And he drank that. He says, I'm telling you, it's good stuff. Some, I, I couldn't afford it. No wonder he was on top of the world. It was good stuff, you know. He's probably still like that. I think he was just naturally high-wired. say, what was that? The man had a zealous, he was zealous, he was warmly engaged to the work. He didn't care what it was. You could be stuffing insulation in the house. Anybody ever try to do that? Oh, I hate that job. I hate that job. In the commercial side of things, there's an insulation board called woo-woo. It's what we call it. You don't ever want that on you. Actually, there used to be a bag of it out here in the shed. I, I pray to God I threw that away. It might still be out there. You don't want that on you. You think house insulation, R19, itches you. That stuff will itch you for days. And I recommend highly a mask. Woo-woo, when it gets on you, it woo-woos you. As an apprentice, they wanted me to... <laughs> Because I had to learn all aspects of the trade. And it was more about discipline. Because I was mouthy when I was 18, 19, and 20. You know, I could whip everybody. Just, just silliness. I come to work to brawl. You know. Say, yeah, Todd, you get over there. And you, you stuff that, that woo-woo, that woo-woo up in there. And, and get all that in there, uh, put in there for the carpenters. They'll be behind you. They didn't tell me. They generally used a stick and wore gloves and you touched it with a stick and put it up there. Oh no, it's, sun, sun, it's summer, it's 90 degrees and I got my wife beater t-shirt on. You know, I don't wear them anymore, Jen won't let me. And, then, uh, and so I had, I'm, I'm handling this and, and I've got this stuff to, and it's, oh. And they were just laughing, laughing, <laughs> laughing. But you know, if that was the job we had Brother Bob Segmiller doing, he was happy about that too. You say, what is that? That's somebody who's warmly engaged. They are there to work. Uh, I, I can watch people as they walk in. I can tell you if they're there to work 
or if they're there because they have to be, or they're there because they want to play, they don't really want to be there, and they're just more of a nuisance than they are a help. Anybody ever been around them kind of people? They, they, they show up to take break. That's, the, that's probably me, but uh, we're not really trying to preach on me. That's the first thing I want to do is you, you got to take break first. Get the coffee on. We got to talk about this, yak about it a little bit. And then we got to devise a plan. And then we'll execute the plan with me telling you what you need to do, and then I'll get involved. It's not really zealous, is it? These young ladies this morning were zealous. They were warmly engaged. They wanted to sing. They were waiting to sing their own little special. They sang as a group, but then they wanted to sing some more. And their little minds are like, hey, it don't get any better than this. This is awesome. It's my job. I want to do that. I, I pray to God that we could be more like that this year. I want to go to church. I'm happy to be at church. What can I do? Let me dig in and do something for God. Zealous. But then there's one other thing that we're going to need if we're going to maintain good works. And look with me in chapter 3, about verse 9. You see that word, but? <laughs> oh, he's addressing the goats. You know, goats want to butt everything. Get ready to do something. Well, but, look. <laughs> How come I'm so familiar with that and know so much about that? I, 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 I could be like that. Dad's trying to train us boys uh, 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 a, a, a trade, and I, I want uh, if we're going to plaster this wall, okay, well, but, but what do you want me, what, what do you want to do? How are we going to do this? Why, why are we doing it that way? Dad said, look, I don't have time to explain this process to you. We can't make money doing that. You just do exactly what I tell you. In about 10 years for you, you'll finally figure it out. It'll just pop open on why we're doing it this way. Okay. I couldn't whip him yet. Probably still can't. And so I shut my mouth and did exactly what he told me to do. And you know what? He was right. 10 years later, one day I'm working. And I'm like, oh, this all makes sense. <laughs> but... <laughs> So watch out for those goats. I want to butt everything. He says, avoid foolish questions. Uh-oh. What could that be? Well, I've seen it a lot in the dojo. We're getting ready to work technique. People get squeamish because they don't. That's where you really begin to see how well they understand what they've been learning. And a lot of times it don't go over well, real well, and they don't want to be embarrassed by their lack of knowledge. And so here's what they do. They'll ask a question that is a philosophy-based question about the art. And it gets, <laughs> it gets you into a middle of a 30-minute discussion. The class is only 45 minutes long. And all of a sudden... There's been no work done. What's he saying? He's saying, Pastor, <laughs> avoid foolish questions. Okay. Now watch this. And genealogies. Uh-oh. Now you had a, a strong Jewish flavor in this church. And Jews 
are into family lineage in genealogies. If you read the book of Nehemiah, you'll get a glimpse of that. There was a whole group of people that could not claim or prove their heritage, so they were not uh, uh, counted as Jews. They were called the mixed multitude. Jews are really big into that, especially in the early church. Uh, uh, there's Baptists that are like that. You sure you've been baptized by a Baptist preacher who's been baptized in a line of genealogy all the way back to John the Baptist? Your Bible just said that's a foolish question. I'm not getting wrapped up in that nonsense. John the Baptist wasn't the first Baptist anyway. <sighs> what is that? It's a distraction. Avoid distractions is what he's saying. Things that could come up to hinder you. I bet when you make a decision to go to church, you wake up Sunday morning, there's going to be a distraction thrown at you. It's like, oh man, I got to handle this. No, handle it after God's time. Don't take God's time. Well, my back hurts. Mine does too. I took 650 milligrams of Tylenol just to get here. Might take another one, just for good measure. Knees, and back, you know, the older you get, weather like this, I got it. But there's going to be a distraction. Don't let it stop you from maintaining a good work. Genealogies, well, I just, what's he say? And contentions, uh-oh, that's church drama. You know, contentions are mentally draining. Knowing you've got to face something. It's just draining, ain't it? I don't like contentions, and I don't like disunity. I like unity. And the Bible says we need to strive for unity in our congregation. Striving uh, together for the faith of the gospel. And then he warns you about heretics. That's those people that want to slip in. And he says, now let me give you what a heretic is. It's a person, and particularly a Christian. It could be a Christian, okay? Who holds and teaches opinions repugnant to the established faith or that which has been the standard in strictness among Christians. A person who holds and avows religious opinions contrary to the doctrines of Scripture. A lot of that going on today. And he says, don't let that distract you from maintaining good works. Three simple little things to help us in 2024 to maintain good works as a church. This is where God wants you to serve. And you say, well, what can I do? You, well, you can sign up to one of the lists. Church needs some supplies. Maybe you can go and buy some supplies. Things, there's anything. There's, there's always something to do around here. We got Preacher's Fellowship coming up. So we need cooks. We need people that can help. We're going to cook a meal. The ladies are going to cook a meal. I might need some food items still. I don't know. Just get with Sister Jenny. These are called good works that we're all to be involved in. And the, my job as a pastor is to constantly remind you, don't forget about the cart of works that's connected to the horse of grace. 
So many times people want to separate the two. And he says, no, true salvation, godly salvation, that horse of grace, God's grace, is connected to a cart of works. And you make sure and remind people, he's not getting on nobody. He's not rebuking them. He's exhorting. I'm exhorting you this morning. You can do this. There's stuff for you to do. A lot of times people deal with mental issues because they get too focused on themselves. It's, it's a pitfall you can get into. You want to know how to help with that? Start focusing on what you can do for somebody else. I remember my father years ago in closing had this lady and she was struggling emotionally big time. And uh, I was there when my father told her what to do and she, she's just upset. She's totally beside herself. My father says, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to bake a chocolate cake, icing it, take it down to the VA hospital. Once you go to the second floor, now in that particular hospital, the second floor was for all the veterans that had lost limbs and combat, if my memory serves me correctly. I want you to take that in there and share that cake with those people in there. Spend a little time. Come back, let me know how that worked for you. She came back and she says, you know what, Pastor? I found out I don't have no problems. I met more people that were missing limbs that had smiles on their faces, just glad to be breathing God's air. And I shared a little homemade cake with them and conversation with them and found out I didn't have any problems. Say, what happened? Oh, she got about doing some work. And it got the attention off of herself. Put it where God would have it, serving others, helping others, doing a little work. Maybe that's all you can do. So I can bake a cake. Amen. Share it with me. I'll need some help. <laughs> I like cake. I probably like it too much. I'll have to do something about this later. <laughs> we need to be careful to maintain good works. Let's all stand this morning.